As you join us this morning, we just want to continue to remind you that it's our desire as a faith family to break through those cultural and social barriers and help people become all that God is intended them to be. We continue to accomplish this by going outside the walls of our church and making a difference in the communities right where people live. We're thankful that our television ministry is impacting many of your lives, and it's great to hear back from you. Matter of fact, many of you are even beginning to plug into our faith family and worshiping with us here on Sunday mornings. It's such a joy to meet you. We're praying for you and your families. We know that many of you are trying to start over in life and get a new beginning. Today, we'd like to send you this book. It will help you do that. It's a very small read, and I believe that it will give you encouragement for your life right where you are. For just any amount of an offering to help cover the shipping of this to your house, we would love to send this to you and maybe to your friends and hopefully be a blessing to you right where you are. If we can help you in any way at Family of Grace, please let us know. I want to share with you maybe a familiar passage of scripture for you today. It's found in the book of Luke chapter 13. And if you'd also turn in the book of Matthew chapter 22, two passages of scripture, I believe, that will resonate with your heart today. In the book of Luke, let's read there first, Luke chapter 13. <clears throat> Luke chapter 13 and verse 34. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city who kills the prophets and stones those who sent to her. How often I long to gather you together under my wings. To gather you together as children as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you are just not willing. See your house is abandoned to you. And I tell you that you will not see me until the day comes when they say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You know that passage of scripture leading up to the triumphal entry where they were all out in the streets and waving their palm branches and laying their outer garments on the street for Jesus to cross over. Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We're familiar with that leading up to Easter. But as we rewind and go back in time here, we see that that wasn't the first invitation that Jesus sent. As he was standing there upon the mountain, he was looking out over the city of Jerusalem saying, Oh, Jerusalem, my people, my children, how I love you. How I love you. The desire of a king. The desire of a king is very interesting. Because we know in modern times that kings change everything up. Everything changes. Leaders change everything up. You may remember when the, our, our current president was elected into office. He said, I want to fundamentally change America. Many people say he's been doing a good job of fundamentally changing it. And it's changing the strategy, changing everything about the way we think. And, and every, every president does it. Every president wants to change things up and have things their way. And kings do it. And kings rise up and overpower and overthrow and overrule and enforce their will upon other people. Matter of fact, he's not a king, but the news has been popping and lighting up your 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 uh, your hot buttons on your smartphones and your computers, and and twenty four seven news media has been talking about what Putin, yeah, Russia, Russia, Russia. What is he doing? He's kind of like a king. He got all. He's not a king, but he took all the king's horses, all the king's men, and he's not looking for Humpty Dumpty, but he put them around the the military bases in Ukraine and trying to force people and uh, force his hand upon other people. We see that, and, and he's trying to, uh, to use the scare tactic, and, and using his power, his 
influence to get what he wants. We rewind the clock of history. We remember another person, a ruler. You may have heard of him before. Just a little bitty guy in history. His name was Napoleon. Napoleon said, I could have conquered the world. And he could have. Looking at a map one day, he said, I could have conquered the world if it wasn't for that red dot on the map. And he pointed to the country of England. If it wasn't for that one red spot and their power and their might and their ability, I could have conquered the world. There was another guy who wanted to be a king, but we know that he is a big loser. I don't know why people want to follow losers in life, but somehow they seem to follow that tendency. And uh, there was this loser one time who said, I will be like God. I will make my throne above his throne. I will be greater than God. As a matter of fact, we, we know in that, in that passage that that was what Satan wanted to do. And Man, Satan thought he had conquered the world. I mean, on that Friday when Jesus Christ was crucified and they laid that robe of flesh in the tomb, he thought that he had won. But all of a sudden, there came that great getting up morning, and I'm telling you, everything began to change. And all of a sudden, on that Sunday morning, the one who thought that he had enforced, the one who thought that he had overthrown, the one who thought he had overruled, had now been overthrown. Matter of fact, uh, I just believe that if Satan could have looked at a map, kind of like Napoleon, He probably could have said, I could have conquered the world if it wasn't for that one red dot and pointing to a place in Jerusalem called Golgotha. That one red dot where the Lamb of God was strung up and the blood of Christ shed upon Calvary's cross. Or listen, that that ruler, he wanted to overthrow, overrule, and reign over and enforce his will upon everybody. But that one red dot kept him from doing it. Hallelujah, one drop of blood. Can you say amen this morning? Man, as we think about this, in this passage of Scripture, Jesus says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, oh, my children, my children, oh, how I long to gather you together to come to my house. How I long to be where you are. How I long to have intimacy with you. How I long to have peace with you. How I long to have a relationship with you. The heart's cry of a king. The king said, I want you, I want you, I want you, I want you. But the difference between this king and all the other kings and all the other presidents and all the other prime ministers in the world is this, that he is not a person to overrule the desire of his people. He's not a person to force people to love him. Jesus Christ was not interested in a shotgun wedding. He was not interested in a prearranged marriage where the bride had no choice but to marry him. No sir, no ma'am, I tell you what he was interested in. He's not interested in kicking down the doors of anybody's heart and forcing them to love him, but he's interested in standing there and knocking and saying, will you open the door that I may come in? Familiar past the scripture like that, you may know this story. He had a little guy, he was at Wits End Corner. His life was so bad, it forced him up a tree. I mean, sometimes your life's been like that. Can I get a witness? I mean, you ever went scurried up a tree just thinking, man, I'll just jump out of this tree and end it all and everything will be better. Zacchaeus was at that wit's end corner. He scurried up that tree and all of a sudden there he was leaning on that tree because he heard about a man named Jesus. And all of a sudden Jesus comes and says, hey, Zacchaeus, can I come to your house today? He didn't say, Zacchaeus, get yourself out of that tree. What in the world are you doing, boy? Have you lost your mind? Get out of that tree. I'm coming to your house. And when I get to your house, roll out the red carpet. When you get through rolling out the red carpet, break out the fine china because we know Zacchaeus had fine china because he was a rich man. He didn't say, prepare me a great meal. He said, no, can I just come have spend time with you? I want you to know today, my friends in Christ, no matter where you are, no matter what's going on in your life, Jesus Christ is saying, can I come spend time at your house? And today as we 
grasp that concept, as we look to that concept, I look at who Jesus, not only do we see the desire of a king, the cry of a king, but look at the call. I mean, man, in this passage of scripture, who was the call going out to? And over in the book of Matthew, chapter 22, it's a familiar passage of scripture. Matthew 22, is verse 1, it talks about there was the parable of this great wedding. And at this great wedding, it says in Matthew 22, it says, And one of Jesus spoke to them this parable in verse 2, The kingdom of heaven is compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. And he sent his servants out in the neighborhood and invited everybody to come to the banquet. And as they went and invited them to come, they wouldn't come. And again, he sent out other messengers and said, tell those who are invited, look, I've prepared the dinner, I've, I've sacrificed the cattle, I've sacrificed the oxen, not the, not the skinny ones, the fat ones, the best ones. Come, everything is ready, the wedding banquet is set. However, but they paid him no attention. And they went their own way, one to his farm, one to his business, one to their own livelihood. And all of a sudden it enraged the king. And, and they began to seize his slaves. Uh, messengers seized them. And as they seized them, they drug them and, and, and tormented and killed them. And then it, he was furious. But it didn't deter the cry of the king. It didn't deter the call of the king. The king said, man, if they don't want to come, then here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back out. I want you to go in the highways. I want you to go to the hedges. I want you to go to the, to the place where the exit ramps in. And when you get there, I want you to invite every man, woman, boy, and girl that you see to come to the banquet table. We see Jesus himself overlooking the children of Israel. They're saying, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. I'm calling you, I'm imploring you, I'm beseeching you, I'm begging you. No matter what word you want to use, please come, please come. And then, man, we see they wouldn't come. And we see the call of the king began to be filled with compassion. Look in this statement, he says, go to the people who don't have anything and invite them in. We looked at, in that passage of scripture in Luke chapter 13, it was so interesting. Because Jesus said this, Jerusalem, 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 Jerusalem. This is so interesting. The one who kills my prophets and stones the ones that I send them, I want you to come to my house. Mm -hmm, that's, that's right. The one who kills my prophets, stones my messengers. Those are the ones that I love. Listen, if there was any person who didn't have a right to be invited, it was the people who are afflicting the harm to the people who you'd been sending. And for thousands of years and thousands of years, God had been sending a messenger to Jerusalem saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. Please come, please come, please come. And they'd kill him. And they'd say, man, you're a knucklehead. Matter of fact, in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 12, you can read a lot about that. It says the messenger of God had to walk around the wilderness in desolate places, wandering around in sheepskin and hiding. They were killing their, their own people. They were placing them in logs and sawing them in two, the people who was caring about the voice of God. He says, the people who are killing them, that's the one that I love. God says, I love you. I love you. You may have remember reading the story of Corey Ten Boone, who was afflicted, her daughter was, her sister was killed and died in the German concentration camps. And uh, later, Corey escaped, faithful to God. Corey always said, 
uh, what she never knew what she would do if she ever met that soldier who afflicted all that harm upon her and her sister. One day, some quite t- some, quite some time later, she met that person. And she said as she looked in his eyes, she recognized that the eyes of that man had changed. And when she reached out her embrace and she put her hand in his hand, she fell to pieces because she realized the power of a changed life. Jesus Christ says, listen, I've sent a call out. And that call is to every man, every woman, every boy, every girl of every tribe. And what God is sending out is the message that you can come put your feet under his table. There is no, there is no, listen, it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what your nationality is. It doesn't matter what your race is. Jesus Christ says, I have come to break every barrier, whether it's a racial barrier, a social barrier, whether it's a barrier of bondage or addiction. I have come to meet you where you are and he sent his messengers today God is looking for a man and a woman and a boy and a girl to rise up out of mediocrity and say you know what I want to get busy about being the hands and feet of Jesus Christ and going into the highways going into the hedges and shaking the bushes and making a difference for the king of kings and the lord of lords God's looking for a people we see his compassion he was compassionate to those who were of his family that had rejected him. Now, I'm just going to say today, I don't care how spiritual you are, flesh and blood or not, let somebody betray you, cut your throat, stab you in the back, so to speak, or more than that, rob your bank account, and you have a hard time extending grace. Mm-hmm. I know you picking up what I'm putting down. And Jesus says, the one who has inflicted the most harm upon me, I want him to come put his feet under my table. One day with their feet under the table, passing around the bread dish, Jesus said, one of you is about to betray me. And he loved him enough to wash his feet, kiss him on the cheek, and say, I still love you. I still love you. Going into the parable of the wedding banquet, the king who had made the banquet said, you know what? If the people that I want to come don't want to be with me, fine. I will not not have a wedding feast. I am going to have a wedding feast. We're going to have a wedding banquet. We're going to have a party. And I want you to know that he went to every place in the world. He sent his messengers out and said, go into the world, go into the highways, go into the hedges, go into the, the, the interstates, go to the dirt roads, go to the back roads, go anywhere you want to and invite the people to come in because the king has made the banquet table ready. Oh, my friends, today Jesus Christ filled with compassion. He filled with compassion. He was looking at Jerusalem and saying, please come, please come, please come. Today he's looking at us saying, please come, please come, please come. From the north, please come. From the south, please come. From the east, please come. From the west, please come. From the mansion, please come. From under the bridge, please come. From those who are full, please come. From those who are hungry, please come. From those who are addicted, please come. From those who think they've got it all together, please come. For those who are full of themselves, please come. For those who are empty, broken, damned, and desolate, please come. Please come. Please come. I have given you favor. This week we've been doing some outreach for a little while, picking up young people over in the area where we had our event yesterday in the city and, uh, 
Um, we went out there Monday, and uh, man, it wasn't really good response. And I was, as a pastor, I was a little concerned. I've been praying all week, and man, I uh, just really couldn't connect, really couldn't make the connection that I was looking for. And uh, went back in that neighborhood a couple of times, and I found some older gentlemen that was uh, in that neighborhood, and they seemed to be there pretty consistently, and uh, they were playing dominoes. And so I went over there and began to talk to him, and uh, I asked him, I said, hey, man, why don't you all come out Saturday? Here's what we're going to be doing. They told me, he said, we'll come. And so, man, I was just praying, Lord, the things have to improve. They've got to get better. There's going to be nobody there. And <laughs> uh, Man, we went Saturday, and it was yesterday, and it was people everywhere. And afterwards, I was talking to one of those old gentlemen that had, had uh, uh, been playing dominoes. And, and I went and I said, thank you. And he said, for what? I said, thank you for opening the door and getting the neighborhood here. I said, I may be young, but I'm smart enough to realize that I didn't draw this crowd. You did. You invited your people. You asked your friends, your family to come. And I'm telling you today, that's what God's looking for. He's looking for a man, woman, boy, or girl, no matter their age, who will just go to the people that they have influence with and open the door and say, the king wants you to come sit at his table. I'm not talking about some worldly king. I'm not talking about a temporary crown. I'm not talking about somebody who's who's about to have their kingdom overthrown and overruled by some other power. I'm talking about the one who there is no greater name. There is no name above his name. There is no kingdom above his kingdom. He is the first. He is the last. He is the beginning. He is the end. He is the alpha. He is the omega. And he's everything in between the day he is extending you an invitation saying, would you come and die? the table's ready would you come and die oh there's the compassion of this king but mostly there's the consistency of this king he's very consistent look a little bit further in this story verse 11 I mean starting in verse 10 in Matthew chapter 22 the compassion of this king says man they went out and the king comes out in verse 10 and it says the wedding hall was full there was no room for anybody. Pass out free food and you can get a crowd, amen? The wedding hall was full and the king came in, he looked and his heart was overflowed. Overflowing with victory. But when he came in, he saw one man that didn't have on the wedding garment. And boy, it stirred him up. He said to a friend, how did he get in here without the wedding clothes? And that man was speechless. The king said to his attendants, tie that dude up hand and foot and drag him out of here. Because I've already provided the way. And you can only get in by the way I provided. Now understand something here. If you don't get anything, get this, my friends. The king had no stipulations on who could come. Only on how they were adorned when they got there. And he, he's talking about an outward appearance of a wedding garment here, but it's really not about an outward appearance as more as the inward adorning. 
And what he's teaching right here in this passage of Scripture is the king provided the way, the king provided the the banquet table, the king provided the invitation, the king provided all the things that needed to be provided that day to make that banquet necessary, the fatty calf and all the trimmings that go with that wedding feast. The king went a step further and he even provided the wedding garments and said, I want you to put on the wedding garments because today is a joyous day. I don't care if you don't have anything. I care that you come here. And no matter where you are in your life today, the king is saying, you can come. I love you enough to come just the way you are. But I love you enough not to leave you in your bondage. I don't care if you're struggling with adultery or fornication. You can come. I don't care if you're struggling with alcohol or drugs or addiction or pride or jealousy or greed or envy or self-righteousness. Better known as holier than thou. I don't care what you're struggling with. You can come to my table. But when I love you enough to let anybody come, even the ones who kill the people I send them. But when you get here, I love you too much to leave you the way you are. If you're a parent, you know about this. You love your children so much, you suffer long. You suffer long. You suffer long. Whatever it takes, try to get them to the next level. Get them to the next level. Sometimes as a parent, though, the only thing that works is tough love. You have to draw the line in the sand. Cut them off and say, yes, you're going to have to hit the bottom before you can ever bounce back up. And that's what happened in this passage of Scripture. The king said, I've done everything. I love them enough that they can come if they're weak, if they're strong, if they're rich, if they're poor, they're black or they're white, they're pink or green, the meanest ones you've ever seen. I love them. They can come. But I love them enough that I don't want to leave them in their bondage when they get here. You can't get to heaven any old way. There's only one way. I know the world today is teaching a whole new theology. It says if we just think good thoughts... If we just, we're all trying to get to the same God. And we can all go different ways. Jesus says there's only one way. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man can come to the Father except by Jesus. If any old way could have got you to Jesus, he would have never gave his precious son to die on the cross. If a little wooden God could have got you to heaven, why would he have shed his own son's blood on the cross if a demigod could have got you there if your church could have got you there why would he have done it any other way god has a plan for you will you accept it the wedding garment is prepared will you receive it you know in america today we have a lack a lax dress code used to be that Men dressed up for everything. If you weren't old enough to remember, just watch clips or look at papers or periodicals from times past. It didn't matter what they were doing. They they would go to a basketball game. They'd have on jackets and be dressed up. I remember my first trip to Haiti, coming from a very lax society, casual you know, we have the business dress now, casual business. Still hadn't really figured out what that is. It's 
there's the the mullet wear. Everybody back, you know, you remember the mullet, haircut the mullet, you know. I mean, business up top, pleasure in the back. Uh, a few of you lived through that. Oh, you had one, didn't you? God love Billy Ray Cyrus for making that popular. There's the mullet mullet dress code now. I like the mullet dress code, you know. Pleasure down below, jeans, jacket up top, business up top, pleasure. Anyway. <clears throat> my first trip to Haiti, though, man, I was just dressed up in my light pants and just a shirt. And, man, I hike in boots, and I hike my way to the church. And when I get to the church that morning, there's a circular porch going into it, just like this stage here when you walk in. And all the way around that circular porch was a bunch of women's shoes. I was sitting outside, and I thought, what in the world's all these shoes out here for? And then I looked, and here come about four women walking up. And they had their high heels in their hands, and their flip-flops. They'd take them off, and they'd put them on the porch, and they'd put on their high heels. And go inside. There I am. The pastor of the hour. My tattered garments. They probably don't have four pieces of clothes. But they got one for Sunday. They had on their wedding garment that day. Best they had in the house of the Lord. A point in saying that is. We can get by down here. Any old way. But there's only one way to heaven. You must have on. The wedding garment. The king looked out and said, that dude's not, I've already provided it. He's just rebelling. He could come partake of all the things on my table. But right now, he's just rebelling from what I provided. Why would we rebel from the greatest love in all the world? Look, I'm not trying to get you to join this church. I'm trying to get you to grasp the concept of the greatest gift in the whole world. That no matter where you're from, what language you speak... What addiction you bring in here, Jesus says, come and die. Maybe you'll be fortunate that God can save you sober. Maybe you'll struggle with addiction for a while. But I will tell you that he will give you victory over what is conquering you by the blood of the Lamb. Who he is, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God's wanting to do a work in your heart. Maybe you're there this morning at home saying, Pastor, what about me? What do I do? Right now, right where you are, understand that Jesus loves you the way you are. And God's wanting to do a work in your life. Would you let it? Find the people that believe in you. Believe in what God said. And allow Him to make the difference for His name's sake. like to take a moment to thank our sponsor that made this program possible, Bayou Shirts. At Bayou Shirts, we offer quick, friendly, quality service for all your t-shirts needs. Check us out today at BayouShirts.com for information on all the services we can provide. 
bouncing around, coming up and down. If you're looking for a great place to hang out or have a great wonderful cup of coffee, please stop by and see Jeff and thank him for his support of our ministry. At FCA, we're touching millions one heart at a time. Since 1954, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes has been putting the heart and soul in sports by challenging athletes and coaches to impact the world for Jesus Christ. As the largest sports ministry in the world, FCA now reaches over 2 million people annually on the professional, college, high school, junior high, and youth levels. Through this shared passion for athletics and faith, lives are changed one heart at a time. Learn more at fca.org. 